Welcome back to our podcast at KMS Library, Section 5 of the Journal of a Lifetime. Happy 16th birthday, Raymond, Grandpa yelled, or what you can identify as a yell from a 75-year-old man. It was more of a raspy howl, but still soft, and still very full of love and pride. One thing Gramps loved was birthdays, and I can't recall a time where he didn't help me celebrate. He was everything I had. He acted as a mom, a dad, and of course, a grandfather. The kind of guy who wants to give you everything, but now he can't. What he couldn't give you with money, he compensated for with love and general caring for me. I was my parents' only child. Gramps adored me and thought the world of him. And I thought the world of him. Birthdays were special to him for this reason. I mean, whom else was he going to celebrate for? It's so funny. Gramps has these teeth that fall oddly out of his mouth on occasion. You can't point out that his teeth have fallen out. You sort of have to let him figure it out and not bring any attention to what just happened. But whenever he gets excited, that's when the teeth come rumbling out. I'll be honest, it's always a sight to see, but I want to help him out by buying him a new glue for his false teeth. But that's like slapping the man in the face, metaphorically speaking. So naturally, being that it's my 16th birthday, he got terribly excited. And guess what happened? Yes, the teeth came out. What a birthday. The house was decorated with a happy birthday paper banner that was stretched over the archway divider that separated the living room from the dining room. He had balloons of all colors tied to various pieces of furniture around the house. and even had a cake. It was generic and store-bought, but I knew it was purchased with love. Gramps wouldn't bake if his life depended on him, but I love him. And regardless of his trick teeth, birthday surprises, and all other quirks he possesses, he's one of the few people keeping me level-headed while I'm living in South Dakota. He's my rock. The highlight of turning 16 is the fact that I got some random facial hair poking out across my face. It's shiny, but it makes me look older. The little black hairs remind me of the whisker on the flathead catfish, the kind of the Hackett boys of Davidson County needled out in the James River a few years back. I haven't seen a flathead in such a long time. I miss watching those Hackett boys needle for catfish. As soon as I turned 16, Gramps turned to me and said that I must screw loose, but a stone's throw from having the movie star status. I have no idea what he's talking about. In his own grandpa kind of way, he was saying that I was handsome. He makes up the strongest sayings. I think he picks one-liners from his TV shows, but he plants a flag and claims them as his own. I have noticed that the girls don't want to throw rocks at me anymore, either. So maybe Grandpa is on to something. Girls like tall guys, and I'm getting taller each year. In fact, I'm just short of being 6'3", so in Grandpa's eyes, he must think the girls are swooning over me. It's probably the hair. For a dude, I must say, I have good hair. Sadly, I must admit that lately, I've been noticing that Grandpa has been losing his concentration and not acting himself. I don't know whether to blame Sage or the fact that he appears lonely. He's been speaking about things that are hard to make sense of. I suggested taking him to the downtown doctor to get him a good once over, but stubborn as ever, he refuses. I can't say that I'm surprised though. He hasn't been to the doctor in over 10 years. I just hope he isn't starting to lose bits and pieces of his mind. He doesn't forget my name or anything, but he gets him confused more easily now. For example, I'll ask him a specific question about what he wants to eat for dinner, and he'll zone out with a a thousand-yard stare. I try to keep him sharp and have productive conversations with him. When we're sitting in the living room catching the ball game, I'll randomly joke with him and tell him he's terrible at math just so I can throw him a multiplication question. He laughs back, but he's disinterested in solving the problem. He tilts his head back towards the TV and will say to me, You say something, Ray? I try ignoring the fact that he's indirectly ignoring me, and I'll change the subject and talk about baseball instead. It's one of the few topics he'll readily discuss. He likes to talk about my friends on the baseball team and bring up old stories about memorable games he attended. That was the one constant about Grandpa. 
He never missed a game of mine, except for the time he was genuinely sick. I could always spot his salt and pepper hair in the bleachers, wearing one of his traditional plaid shirts and predictable light blue or brown pants. After all our games at Bullfrog Field, Gramps and I and a few of my best friends from the team would always walk home together. The best days were at dusk, when the long shadows came out and the setting sun would flutter just above the tree line. We'd be chewing gum or spitting out sunflower seeds, and Gramps would tell us funny stories about his day as a ball player. We really made Gramps feel special, like he was just one of the guys. And once we made it home, he'd invite the guys to stay over for a while, sit on the front porch and drink some of his famous homebrew lemonade. That's how my Gramps was, hospital. Danny Dodson from the and the Weedman brothers would always encourage my Gramps to tell them any story. They didn't care if it was fact or fiction, as long as my Gramps was telling it. I'm telling you, that porch was special. We never wanted those days to end. It was a magical time during those spring and summer months of baseball season. But lately, that's all he cares to talk about. His zest for life just isn't the same. It saddens me knowing that he's not himself. When I look at him, I see the same man on the outside, but on the inside, he's just a shell of what he once was. I think maybe he's just getting tired. He's been kicking life in the pants for so long, maybe his body's just losing steam. The worst times for me are bedtime, laying up at night, worrying about him. When it's just darkness, the four walls, and my thoughts, that's when I have my moments of sadness. I never show Grandpa my emotions concerning his health, though. It was the worst thing I could do, I think. I'm doing the best to keep my mind, his mind active and young, telling him what I thought about his declining mental health would only cloud the sunny moments we do have. Grandpa brings up my grandmother a lot more, how he misses her and his plans of seeing her soon. In the past, he would only mention Grandpa Ma on her birthday and a few holidays. We pray for her at Thanksgiving dinner and send her all our love and blessings during Christmas, but her name keeps on surfing, sing more frequently and on random days. They were really close, those two. He had so many good stories to tell me about Grandma, and not just the ones about his first date. He had others, too. I don't have a journal big enough to contain all the beautiful things he said about her. They were soulmates. I tell him, Pop, come on. I know you miss her, but you can't see her yet. She doesn't want you to face, to see that face of yours just yet. I tried getting him to smile, but he kept confessing that he has a chair prepared at her dinner table, waiting for him. It's hard to convince a hardened man of wisdom that he's wrong. I didn't show it, but I'm terrified of losing him. Normally, healthy people don't talk that way. It's such a confusing time for me, and under ordinary circumstances, he'd be the one I would talk to. But I can't, because the topic is about him. Gramps and I usually put everything on the table, never making conversation taboo. But whenever it came to his health, I just couldn't talk about it. Sometimes when I'd fetch myself a drink from the kitchen, I'd catch him sitting on the think chair, as he called it, slumped over. Who knows what he was thinking about? I can only imagine some of the sadness and pure exhaustion that floods his body and mind. The chair sits in such a perfect spot in our backyard, tucked just behind one of our oak trees, and the view beyond the tree is spectacular. There's such an easy, peaceful feeling out back, which is why I can't understand his desire to sit there. I just love him so much, you know. He's been everything to me growing up. When I had no parents, I had no grandmother. I only had him. Every time I was down and out, he was there, guiding me, telling me it's going to be all right. As a young child, he was my comfort blanket. As a teenager, he's my mentor. As an adult, he's my best friend. I think I'm going to whip up a home-cooked dinner tonight and tell Grandpa some important things. He's giving me an unusual vibe. I don't know what to make of it. You know the expression, the glass is either half full or half empty? I always tend to think the glass is half empty. I look at Gramps and I see the change in his behavior. Who knows how many chances I'm going to have to get my thoughts out. Gramps and I have always had a tight relationship, but sometimes when emotional topics surface, we lose the words we're searching for. A golden heart-to-heart is in order, and I feel that has to be tonight. 
I think I'll cook his favorite, hamburgers and french fries, smothered in the brown gravy that my grandmother would make. I found an old recipe box in the junk drawer that explained how he likes it. She had listed as mine shaft fries, probably because mines are dirty and thick. In the thick brown gravy that gets poured on top of the fries, mines are mud. It even said at the bottom of the recipe instructions that it was just how DL likes it. She was a fantastic cook, from what I can remember. I think making him a loving home-cooked meal would really perk Grandpa up. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time for Section 6 of the Journal of a Lifetime.